I'm Jasmine Moradi, and you're listening to the Queens of Tech podcast, a podcast series about raising the voice of workplace champions. 60 plus questions in around 30 minutes with women, non-binary and transgender influencers about their journey into STEM, science, technology, engineering and mathematics. I started the Queens of Tech podcast initiative in May 2022 because I would like to retain more women, non-binary and transgenders in the tech industry. Talent is out there, but our work environment needs to improve for all to feel safer, stay authentic and to be valued for our contributions. My vision is to raise the workplace ecosystem for all in the tech industry by killing the imposter syndrome, stopping bad behavior and increasing equity opportunities. Each podcast talk is built around 60 plus questions regarding upbringing, education, career path, DEIB, and future advice. My mission is to bridge the gap between schools and workplaces by getting to the heart of my guest's personal life and career journey to inspire other girls, women, non-binary, and transgenders to unleash their full potential to reach top leadership roles in the tech industry. My goal is to raise the voice of tech champions around the world and together with companies, investors, and politicians, raise the challenges and opportunities around equity, inclusive diversity, and belonging in our workplaces. Enough is enough. I would like to enforce companies to build a sustainable, inclusive culture, to retain diverse talent, so we keep the workplace power equity to continue building future diverse and inclusive products. Your voice matters. In this episode, I'm very excited to welcome my guest, Astra Osmanshevik, Head of Business Development Content at Viapay Group and co-founder of Just Stick. Hi, Astra. Hi. I'm very happy to have you joining us from Stockholm, Sweden today. How are you? You know what? I am feeling so good today. It's the end of February and the daylight is finally back here in Sweden. So no complaint from my side. I'm so happy to hear. Now, let us dive into your journey into STEM. Hope you're ready for the Queens of Tech 60 plus questions. Let's go. Let's warm up with a few fun facts about you. How would you describe your personality in three hashtags? Curious ambitious, caring, and unconventional. Sorry, that was four hashtags. How would you describe your life in three sentences? It's enough with three words. Toddler, startup, and love. Lots of love. What kind of music stimulates and motivates you the most? Oh, I love music. It's my only addiction, I would say. So it's impossible to choose just one genre and kill my darlings. But right before this call, I was listening to The Tallest Man on Earth. What's your personal motto? Do all the good you can, because I really feel that human connection is everything and we need to take better care of each other. But I also act or accept because it's easy to prioritize when you approach things with those two options. What is your favorite book? The Shadow of the Wind by Carlos Ruiz Zafón. It contains poetic storytelling, shocking twists. The characters are thoroughly developed. Symbolism, humor, romance, betrayal. Yeah, it's amazing. I must read for everyone. What is your favorite podcast? I have to say well-produced based on actual events documentaries because these podcasts are rooted in reality and that appeals to me. Mac or PC? 100% Mac. Say something interesting about you that most people don't know. 
I've studied music production and I have a hunting license, although I would never kill an animal. What is your hidden talent? Singing. If you were going to write a book about your life, what would the title be? Okay, so pardon my shitty French here, but I would love the title to be Je ne rien, Edith Piaf's famous song. I hope I don't have too many regrets. Great start, Astra. Now, let us dig deeper. Our childhood has an effect on our adulthood. Our early experiences shape our belief about ourselves, others, and the world. Now, I want to discover your childhood. Where did you grow up? A couple of years in the suburbs of Gothenburg, and then most of my childhood was spent in Degefors, Värmland, where soccer is religion. What was your dream job as a child? Definitely singer. What was your favorite subject in school? Favorite mathematics and least favorite religion. What is your earliest memory of technology and the arrival of the internet? I remember when my dad bought what looked like a huge TV box and it was our first computer and it took 100 years to start. And then, of course, dial-up internet and whoever was using it got really pissed when someone else picked up the phone. Which were the three first technology gathers you owned? Walkman, then Discman, then MP3, and then mobile phone like Nokia 3210 where I could play Snake all day. And then later came the iPod Nano. Who was your favorite role model growing up and why? Definitely my mother. She taught me everything about grit, resilience, patience, and doing good for others. She also taught me something extremely valuable in this day and age where we compare ourselves to others all the time. That there's enough to go around for everyone. And just because someone else is succeeding doesn't mean that I can't or that I won't. So the success of others really fuels me a lot. I never see it as a threat. And this is why I'm always genuinely happy when others thrive. And it's a great learning that I got from my mom. How do you think where you grew up and the school you went to and the generation you come from influence your education and career choice? I started off in one of the poorest and most problematic areas in Sweden and then moved to the total opposite of that, a tiny all-Swedish village where nothing bad ever happens. But I think the combination of these two really has given me a broad and rich spectra of perspectives in all areas of my life. My parents, they didn't go to any fancy universities or have well-paid jobs. So there was really no money or contacts that could pave my way. So I knew sort of early on that any dream I have, I'd have to make it happen myself. Looking back now, I'm very grateful for the way I was brought up. It definitely prepped and molded me in the right way. Very interesting. Now, I'm going to read two quotes. First one, how does the universe expect me to choose a career path at 16? I can't even choose what I want for dinner. Second, Abraham Lincoln said, I quote, the best way to predict your future is to create it. So Astra, I want to know choices behind your career path. Where and what did you study at university? Music production. And after that, I studied law because I wanted to combine these two, my sort of heart and my brain. And I studied in Stockholm. Who and what influenced you to get into your chosen field? No particular person. One thing just led to the other. And I like it that way, that my career and I have evolved organically. What professional roles have you had before to let you where you are today? I was a lawyer and also served as a junior judge at the district court in Stockholm. What does VIP Playgroup do and what does Justic do? 
I'm heading up the business development department at Via Play Group, which is one of the fastest growing streaming companies in the world. But I'm also, as you mentioned, co-founder of a legal tech startup, Justic, and we democratize access to justice for ordinary people, you can say, by providing self-service tools so you can sort of manage your legal problems yourself. But other than that, I'm also angel investing, serving on several boards and enjoy giving keynote speeches from time to time on leadership and impactful business development. What is your main responsibilities at each of these companies? So at Viaplay, I started off in the legal department, but then moved to more business-oriented roles pretty fast. So prior to my current role, I was heading up the commercial affairs department where my team was responsible for investments in our Viaplay original series across all markets. And the legal tech company, like I mentioned, we're focusing on building self-service tools so that ordinary Joe or ordinary Samsung can deal with their legal problems on their own. Why did you start Justic? We started Justic because we saw that there was a great need for democratizing that ordinary Joe doesn't have access to justice and that visiting a lawyer is often very expensive. It's time consuming and it's also not always easy to understand law. So various needs that we saw and that we recognized and not only reading reports and stuff, but also in our jobs as lawyers that we could clearly see the need for this type of democratization. What does a typical workday look like for you? A lot of strategic meetings at Bioplay during the day. And then when the kids have been put to bed, I focus on my other projects. I love the quote, choose a job you love and you will never have to work a day in your life. So Astra, what do you love about your roles? I have many different roles and that's what I love the most. It's recital and I wouldn't want it any other way. What is the best experience you've had so far? Any examples? At Viaplay, I would say it has been the leadership part of making sure each person in my team has the right sort of tools to be able to thrive and develop the skills and knowledge that they want, and also to really challenge the way Viaplay works when it comes to diversity, inclusion, and sustainability. And at Justic, it's all about democratizing legal services, making sure that underrepresented groups have access to justice. And what is the biggest challenges you've encountered so far, and how did you tackle them? Recruiting and onboarding a new team during COVID was a great challenge. Everything was done remotely, so I really had to find ways to build a sense of team spirit, although we never met each other in person. I had to make sure that everyone had the right physical equipment at home and also to have regular check-ins, both one-on-ones, team meetings and cross-functional meetings. I also try to be as present as possible online on channels and in forums that my team uses so that they feel that I'm available, even though they they really see me around physically. And another challenge is definitely change management. Trying to make decision-making processes more inclusive has been both painful and rewarding, I would say. I've learned a lot. What do you wish everybody understood about your roles? That I, like many others, have a packed schedule and really no time for inefficient meetings. So I appreciate when there's a clear agenda when I step into a meeting. It really comes down to being mindful of my colleagues and my own time. What is the one common myth about your professional field that you want to disapprove? In terms of the legal field, it's definitely that tech is not compatible with the legal profession. But I feel like things have started to change over the past few years and that we are seeing how tech can be used to enhance the legal industry and sort of refocus the tasks that the lawyers perform to more qualified work assignments. What do you love about working in the tech industry? It's very future-oriented, very often problem-solving. And perhaps the best part is that I get to meet and work with a lot of brilliant minds. 
Oprah Winfrey said, I quote, think like a queen. A queen is not afraid to fail. Failure is not a stepping stone to greatness. So Astra, what have by far been your biggest achievement in your career? Good question. I would say being able to pursue several parallel careers at the same time without burning my candle from both ends. And apart from via play and Justic, I'm also the founder of Femtorship, which is a mentoring program that aims to improve the well-being of young women. So anytime a couple we've matched decide to continue meeting each other after the mentorship program ends, that's the best outcome that you can get. And it makes me so happy every time it happens. And what is the biggest factor that has helped you become successful and manage this? Any success habits? I trust my gut, even when it's difficult. And I do two things regularly. I work out and I take time to reflect every week. And both things are equally important to be able to maintain a high level of performance. How do you measure your own performance at work? To be able to measure my performance, it's important to set specific and measurable goals to start with. And I think that kind of groundwork is super important to learn to set the right goals that will ensure you to advance in the right way. And I've also noticed that success makes me feel a certain way. It makes me feel balanced, creative at work and imaginative with my kids. So checking in to see if I'm striking that balance, work-life balance, is also a way of measuring my performance. What is your biggest failure in your career and what did you learn from it? Ooh, I don't know if it's the biggest, but it's definitely one I remember very clearly. So this one time I wanted to improve a certain decision-making process by making it more inclusive. And I prepped and I anchored the case thoroughly with multiple functions in our business who all loved the idea because it was all about going from sort of good to great. And then it was time to present the idea to my colleagues in the management team. And while half of them were very excited about it, the other half took it at criticism, basically that they felt that I was questioning their good judgment in terms of decision-making. And this was a huge learning for me. It taught me resilience to not give up on good ideas when people's egos get hurt, but also to ask myself if someone will feel criticized by my suggestions and to prep how I should handle if that happens. Failures are great teachers in that sense that if you learn from your mistakes, then you don't really fail. What is inspiring and motivating the most in your role and career right now? Driving and creating meaningful impact and change for a better future on an individual and societal level. Let us now jump into the influence of mentors, role models, champions and sponsors. Role models can consciously or subconsciously be a powerful force in our lives. In addition, champions can stand up and advocate for us and open up the world of possibilities. Sponsors match emerging talent with leaders and influential employees who can help us move ahead in our careers. So Asra, do you have a mentor, champion or a sponsor today? I don't have a specific mentor today. However, I have focused on building a network of peers in different industries. So those are the people that inspire, that motivate and challenge me for the better. History shows it has been more common for men having mentors, champions and sponsors in business than women. So Asra, how important do you think it is to have a mentor, champion and sponsor during one's career? To be frank, I've never focused much on role models. When it comes to mentors, I think it's more or less important depending on where you are in your sort of career journey. If you're just starting off, it's great to have a mentor that you can learn from. But I think as you become more senior, it's more fruitful to have a network of great peers that you can use as your aspiring partners instead. 
Let us move on to leadership. Adena Friedman, president and CEO of Nasdaq, said, I quote, Empowering those around you to be heard and valued makes a difference between a leader who simply instructs and one who inspires. So Azra, what does leadership mean to you? I see leadership as a great privilege and responsibility that I don't take for granted. What do you consider a good versus a bad leader? A good leader never loses his or her human touch, and a bad leader does the opposite of that. How would you describe yourself as a leader? I think as I describe my personality, they go hand in hand. I truly bring my whole self to my leadership. So again, I would say curious, ambitious, caring, and unconventional. I'm results and people-oriented. Maybe that's the best way to put it. And as a leader, what values are most important to you? Trust, transparency, and inclusion. What leadership lessons have you learned that have formed you into the leader you are today? That leadership is not a one-size-fits-all proposition. And the best leaders are those who understand what is needed and can then sort of pivot to provide what will make a difference. And I also feel that leadership is an art while management is a science, if you know what I mean. Like leadership is about people, management is about things and people are unstable, things are stable. So you rely on behaviors and values to lead while you use skills and sort of knowledge to manage. And leadership is about being and management is about doing. And I think understanding the difference will bring huge clarity into your day-to-day life and help you focus on leadership. And at the end of the day, great leadership starts with you. For a long time, I thought it was about developing your people, and it is. But first, it's about cultivating your self-awareness, which requires you to consider your presence, like how you show up and what you convey, both emotionally and energetically. Beautiful. So inspiring. What are your three strengths and three weaknesses? I have a lot of energy, trustworthy, and I'm good at seeing the big pictures and weaknesses. I'm impatient at times. I'm not a big fan of proofreading, and I've always felt like I'm really bad at small talk. Let us now jump into the hottest topic in business today, workplace culture, unlocking the power of diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging. Astra, what does diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging mean to you personally? Those are values that are 100% in line with my own. What do you consider being three to five signs of good company culture if you were to join a company? I would say authentic leaders, a diverse workforce, true dedication when it comes to EDI and CSR commitments, low staff turnover, and to have inclusive decision-making models. As a woman, what has been the most significant barrier in your career and how have you overcome these challenges? In my early days, it was definitely imposter syndrome, and I tackled it by starting to take time on a weekly basis to reflect on my development. And pretty fast, I could tell that they were more sort of accomplishments than failures. So over time, the imposter syndrome got defeated. Why do you think it's important for more women to join the tech industry? It's important not only because it's the morally right thing to do, it's also a smart and strategic business move to include more women in the tech industry. Research shows that having more women in boardrooms and at management level usually has a positive impact on the bottom line. Dave, and how do you speak with your female and male colleagues about DEIB challenges, for example, salary gaps and promotions? 
I do it all the time. I ask everyone in my team, not only females, to challenge status quo if something doesn't seem right. It can be salaries, promotions, recruitment processes, decision-making processes, everything can and should be a question. There are many public and internal discussions about the barriers women face from reaching higher position in the tech industry. How do you feel has affected is affecting you? And what is your advice on how to best unblock these roadblocks? I think we've definitely seen a positive change over the past few years. And I believe having a good manager is important for your career development. And by good, I mean someone who has your back and challenges you at the same time. So if the vibe ain't right, look elsewhere. Life is too short to put up with bad leaders. Today, tech companies spend a lot of marketing money to attract women. However, at the same time, they're finding it hard to retain women. Articles show that women are leaving the tech industry. What is your best advice on strategies for how companies can work to build a stronger corporate culture that engages gender diversity and equity? To actively advocate for women, make sure that women have a strong voice of their own in any meeting. Actively encourage women on your team to have a point of view and to share it. Ensure that your hiring and promotion processes are not discriminatory towards women and that your job ads are gender neutral. And also, I think it's super important to allow women to be their authentic selves. Men drive several traditional sort of leadership paradigms in the workplace. So expecting women to lead the same way as men can undermine and even diminish their contributions. So ensure that your company encourages women to take the lead and to be open to alternative ideas and techniques in the workplace when it comes to leadership. What would you say are the few challenges of implementing DEI beep culture in a workplace today? Having relevant knowledge in these fields and then also authentic implementation and engagement possibilities. There are fantastic companies out there who provide great knowledge and tools when it comes to working with data-driven inclusion. And I really recommend everyone to sort of partner up with those companies. Why and how do you think companies would benefit from having workplace gender diversity and equity, especially better gender representation at C-level and boardrooms? First of all, I would not limit this to gender only. I think all types of perspectives and representation bring more innovation and the revenue. How much do you think the tech industry has changed regarding this subject since you joined? It has definitely picked up speed over the past two or three years, but I still feel we are in the starting pits in some sense, especially in the streaming industry. Looking back on your career, what one thing would you have changed in your working environment to break the bias? I would probably have questioned the traditional recruitment process of established law firms even more. And you're already doing a lot, but looking forward, what will you do as a leader to improve the bias for the next generation of women in tech? I will make sure to empower in one way or another any woman around me who wants to have a career in tech or who is working within tech and wants to develop as a leader. Let us move on to another hot topic in business today, which is work-life balance and mental health. Asra, you have many hats, you have two beautiful children and you're married. You have, without a doubt, a busy lifestyle. How do you take care of yourself to maintain good mental health? I work out on a regular basis. I try to meditate at least a couple of times a week. And then perhaps the most important thing is to reflect on my progress every Friday afternoon. I do that. Have you ever experienced burnout? No, and I'm very grateful for that. What is your advice on how companies can create a more mentally healthy workplace in the new now? 
So leaders set the standards. So it all starts with them. A leader has to show both verbally and by his or her actions that they take care of their mental health and how they do it so that the employees feel more comfortable and empowered to mirror that behavior. So if the leader is serious about it, then so can the employee be. And the company can also ask their employees what they need to feel better and then set strategic goals based on that and then raise the bar every year. What motivates you every day? I want to live my life to the fullest, to be a good role model for my two daughters and to give back to the community. Now, let us wrap up with a few words of wisdom and a piece of advice for our listeners. Asra, what is the best piece of advice you've been given that has helped you during setbacks in your role and career? If you learn from your mistakes, then you haven't really failed. Taking the time to reflect is a true game changer. I mentioned that previously. And then also what I mentioned before that I got from my mom about being genuinely happy when someone else succeeds. Just knowing that there's enough for everyone is super important. And then what is the worst advice you've ever been given and how did you tackle that? That you need to be somewhat cold-hearted if you are going to be a successful leader. And I try to make my heart warmer with every heartbeat. So definitely not a fan of cold-hearted leaders. They should be a thing of the past. Is there something you wish you would have known or a skill you wish you had when starting out in the tech industry? Oh, coding for sure. Not because I need it in my day-to-day job at the moment, but because it's a skill that I really admire. If you had the ability to go back in time to when you were just at the beginning of your career, what advice would you give to your younger self? Keep trusting your gut. What advice would you give to young girls and women who want and trying to break into STEM fields today, especially wanting to become next generation leaders? Your knowledge is so sought after. So make sure you pick the right company and the right leader to grow with. Last but not least, what is next for you in your roles and career in tech? What are your career aspirations? I want to keep evolving as a leader and entrepreneur, focusing on higher management roles. And I also want to keep serving on boards in different industries and continue angel investing. Thank you so much, Astra, for being a guest on the Queens of Tech podcast, sharing your journey with, without a doubt, inspire change and reshape company culture for the next generation of women in tech. Thank you so much. I really, really enjoyed our chat. Thank you for listening. If you have worked in the tech industry minimum three years and would like to share your journey, please nominate yourself or somebody you know to i at jasminemoradi.com. For more podcast episodes and to learn more about the Queens of Tech initiative and to support us, visit queensof.tech.